The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. of the look at right here on Beeson, the sports betting network. Had a great first hour talking a lot about the NFL. Now in hour number two, we're going to be talking some more hoops. And then in hour number three, we're just going to be talking a little bit of everything. In hour number three, we're going to give you some betting trends when it comes to what we've all been seeing in college basketball with regards to teams that do and do not turn the ball over a lot. So we're going to be diving into that. We're going to be taking a look at some over-under trends when it comes to the NFL. And here in this hour as well, at 11.30 p.m. Pacific. So if you're out there on the East Coast, 2.30 a.m., we're going to have John Von Tobel coming up. He does an absolutely terrific job of taking a look at the NFL, he or the NBA, I should say. He does a great job as well when it comes to the edge every Monday through Friday right, right here on VSIN. Also does our opening line show as well every Sunday. So man does a lot of great things. So looking forward to that in about 30 minutes. But I'm looking forward to a great slate of college basketball on Tuesday. As you guys know, I give out one pick for the New York Post every single day. Unfortunately, they don't let me do more because, well, space is limited in the New York Post. It's sort of a big deal newspaper slash entity, so I'm always happy to be able to contribute for them. And, well, hopefully we can do as well as Monday. I wound up giving out Texas Southern. We know that wound up turning out, and, well, that was a very solid one, but we are not going to be going with a side on this one as we're going to be looking at the Temple versus Vanderbilt game. As of right now, you're finding Vanderbilt as a relatively sizable favorite. Last I was seeing, they were anywhere between 8 and 8.5, eight and but that's not where I'm going to be looking on this game. By the way, helping you guys out, this is 617, 618 on the betting board. 
where I'm going to be looking is the total. You're finding it at most places at 135. By me here at Circa, you're finding a stray 134.5. But I take a look at this fun. I think the total should have been set more around a 127 to a 128. I set it at a 127.5. The big reason why, you've got a Temple team that they are now without their top scorer. Khalif Battle, a guy that has been able to give the team 21.5 points per game, shooting over 48% from three-point range. He was really a heart and soul piece for this backcourt. Now you're going to be looking at Damian Dunn. He's been able to get her done with right around 13 points per game, but Ty Strickland has been out of the fold as well. So there's two of your top three scores dealing with injuries. So that's just absolutely swell against a Vanderbilt team that in terms of points allowed on a per-possession basis, they rank in the top 15 in all of college basketball. And Vanderbilt, they themselves are dealing with injuries. Rodney Chapman, a projected starter for the team coming in from Dayton. He's been out. Liam Robbins, he's a seven-footer that's able to pop threes, is able to give you two and a half blocks per game. He's out as well. So that means that it's Scotty Pippen Jr., Miles Tute, Jordan Wright has been able to do a solid job right around 14 points, six and a half boards. So he certainly has been Mr. Wright for this team. But I take a look at this spot. You've got a pair of teams that are not looking to push a tempo. And you've got a team in Vanderbilt that they just rely a lot upon Scotty Pippen Jr. to be able to create their offense. With Scotty Pippen Jr. lies here among qualifying D1 players. He was in the top three in all of college basketball in free throws attempted on a per game basis and hasn't been able to force as much of that contact this year. He also has been seeing a little bit of a fall when it comes to three point shooting, shooting more in the pocket of about 31 ish percent from three point range. So that's been a little bit of an issue. Now, Vanderbilt, they do a good job of being able to cut off the arc themselves and with now having battle out of the fold, I think that it's going to be a battle for Temple to be able to score a lot of points. But, I mean, you just take a look at some of these games that Vanderbilt has been playing, and they wound up having that harebrained one in which they wound up giving up north of 80 points to SMU. But keep in mind, they also play a 48-36 game against VCU, which took college basketball to the dark ages. It was the first time I have ever seen the Kempom MVP Go to the guy that wound up playing the few, fewest minutes in a game for anyone that wound up scoring. I mean, it was just hilariously bad. It's one of those things where it's like, am I in 2020 or am I in 1970 right now? So, I mean, that's just the way that Vanderbilt has been playing. But Vanderbilt does a good job on the glass as well. Temple's a team in which can be a little bit hit or miss with them. But got a pair of teams outside the top 125 when it comes to points on a per possession basis. Now, when it comes to the side. I want to saying Vanderbilt as a 10.5 point favorite. I do think that they should be able to win this game by double digits. I think that you do wind up avoiding sort of that window of six to eight points where in the final minute, you just wind up having these teams hacking away like lumberjacks and you've got guys marching to the free throw line as if there's like free candy at the free throw line. And it's just absolutely hilarious when you wind up taking a look at that. And that is something that I always try to take into account with regards to my handicapping as well. And some teams fell very differently. I mean, Danny Manning, back when he was at Wake Forest, now we might be able to get that with Maryland this year. He would act teams while the team was down like 18 points with 30 seconds left to go. You're all just there like, dude, the game's over. But Danny Manning apparently doesn't think so. He needs a miracle in order for his team to be able to cover the spread, and he's not getting it. But yet, there, here he is still fouling. But that's something that you always want to be taking into account when it comes to this. It is something that I have accounted for. But I take a look at the spot. I do think that there is good value on the under end. I'm also going to be taking a look at the Commodores of Vanderbilt as well. We've also got a pair of games that are going to be taking place in Madison Square Garden. The Jimmy V Classic, absolutely tremendous event that is being put on. And we have seen quite a line move on this one. 6-13, 6-14. Texas Tech, the Red Raiders, they're going to be playing against Tennessee. This line opens up. Tennessee laying two and a half points. We have seen a quantum move when it comes to this line. You're seeing a lot of fours out there. I'm seeing a straight four and a half here at Circa. 
your total hasn't moved as much. You're seeing as low as a 139.5. You're seeing as high as a 140.5. It opened up at 140.5, but I want to make a Texas Tech the favorite. Now, the big knock on Texas Tech is that they haven't necessarily played the world's greatest competition thus far. They played teams like Incarnate Word. I think that they wound up going up against like Grambling State and stuff like that. They wind up playing one true road game against Providence. They gave a spirited effort. They just weren't able to pull it out in the end. But I do take a look at this Tennessee bunch, and I do think that their three-point shooting is going to be coming back to earth a little bit. Kennedy Chandler has been able to give this team 16 points. Has looked like the real deal as a freshman. He's shooting darn near 50% from three-point range. And this is a Texas Tech team that they are doing one of the better jobs in all of college basketball, being able to guard the arc. You've also got a Texas Tech team that, even though they don't have Chris Beard, they do have Mark Adams. Mark Adams is a disciple of Chris Beard, a guy that just lives, breathes, and eats state of Texas basketball, a guy that does a good job with the guards for his defense. Tennessee, year in and year out, they're one of the more efficient defenses in all of college basketball as well. So I do think that this is going to be a little bit more of a slog of a game myself. Now, this winds up factoring in their late game following as well because I do think that that is going to be a little bit of a product of this game. I still want up setting it at a 138 myself. So even if you want up seeing a little bit of the line move down to 139.5, I still do like the under, but when it comes to Texas Tech, you've got a lot of guys besides that are able to pop threes. Someone like a Bryson Williams, who's been able to give you 14 points, comes in from UTEP right around 34% three-point shooter. Kevin O'Banner, he's saying six foot eight. He's able to shoot north of 80% the free throw line, north of 40% for threes, chipping in their 10 points per game. I think that that's a big thing as well. Both of these teams very sure-handed on the glass. John Fulkerson has been able to do a tremendous job for Tennessee. Nine and a half points, seven rebounds. He also dishes out right around three assists per game, but I think that when it comes to Texas Tech, the matchup that I want to see is out there in the backcourt. Can Santiago Viscovi and company be able to shut down Terrence Shannon? I think that Terrence Shannon is going to be the best guard out there in this game. A guy that's able to give you 16 and a half points per game. It's the first three games of the season for Texas Tech because they were holding him out in case if there were going to be eligibility concerns. He is eligible. He is good to go. I think that he's going to be very good in this game for Texas Tech. So I'm going to be looking to bypass the points right now. As this climbs up and up and up, you're getting a juicier and juicier money line. So I'm going to be taking a look at the money line of Texas Tech. I think that they're going to be able to win this game. All right, keep in mind that this is a game that's going to be played at Madison Square Garden. So that is something that needs to be taken into account. And how fitting is it that Madison Square Garden is going to be having a good old Big East battle on Tuesday as well as you've got Villanova and Syracuse. If you're looking on the rotation, that is 639 to 640. Right now, you're finding Villanova as a pretty hefty favorite of anywhere between nine and nine and a half points. Total game is anywhere between 144 and a half and 145. And it's a spot in which I want up setting Villanova as more around a 10 and a half point favorite. You take a look at Villanova. They're not a team that's necessarily going to play at a breakneck pace. And I did like what I saw out of the Syracuse defense against Florida State. Now, Florida State shot three of 31 from three-point range. I think that we could all be in agreement here. Villanova, if they wind up shooting three of 31 from three-point range, it's just toast. I mean, it's not going to happen, but if it does wind up happening, I'll just gladly accept the loss and I will move on. But when it comes to Villanova, what I love for this team as well is the fact that you've been able to have Colin Gillespie be so efficient when it comes to this offense. They will give the team darn near 18 points, shooting over 40% from three-point range, assists a turnover ratio of three, so he doesn't make those silly mistakes. And when it comes to Syracuse, it's a bunch of which you do at Bayheim Square. Jimmy and Buddy Bayheim. Jimmy Bayheim has been able to do a good job on the glass. Buddy Bayheim has been a little bit more of the score for the team. Both of these guys are combining to shoot right around 40% from three-point range as well. And Joe Girard 
giving up four and a half assists per game. He's been a relatively good floor general guy that's able to do a good job at the free throw line, but I think he's going to be key for Villanova. Being able to have someone like an Eric Dixon, someone like a Jermaine Samuel be able to clean up the glass, and I think that they're going to be able to do a good job. This is also a little bit of a revenge spot for Cole Swider. He actually began his career at Villanova. He decided that he was going to be transferring out of the program. He decided to actually transfer to Syracuse at 6'9". He's been a solid three-point shooter. Guy can't guard his own shadow. I mean, that has been the Syracuse team in general. They wound up playing against the Florida State team a few days ago, which they were just as cold as ice from three-point range. I don't think that that's going to be the case for this Villanova team. Now, the reason why I wound up saying this total more around a 142 to a 142.5, which is why I'm going to be taking a look at the under. Villanova, just over the last two years, has been one of the slowest teams in terms of tempo in all of college basketball. I do think that they're going to be able to get their pace. I do think that as a result, you are going to be seeing a little bit of a lower scoring game here. So I'm taking a look at the under in this spot, and I'm also going to be taking a look at Villanova laying the points, and then we're going to hit on this one, probably be continuing on the other side, but you've got Butler versus Oklahoma. This is a part of the Big 12 versus Big East showdown, so this is 635-636. Oklahoma winds up opening up an 11-point favorite. Now you're finding it as low as a 9.5 in some spots, seeing mostly time. Total on this game is 125.5. At the 11, I would have been in on Butler. Pretty much for me, it's 10 or lower. I'm going to be taking a look at Oklahoma. Anything that is north of 10, then it winds up becoming a take on Butler. Butler just has not been very efficient, and we will be hitting on those, shall we say, lack of efficiencies on the other side. This is a look at right here on VSIN, the Sports Bank Network, going all hoops here on the second hour of this program. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray, rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. betting guide is almost here with everything you need to bet smarter on every single bowl game this year's guide provides matchup analysis on all 41 bowl games including insights trends data and predictions for you to be able to help make your best bets the guide is designed to be able to give you an edge whether you're betting on every game playing contests or just want to find a few key high value props the guide is going to be dropping on december 13th so be sure to get your copy today only for $19.99. And that is at vcin.com slash subscribe. As we're back here on the look at myself, Greg Peterson, filling in with Scott Seidenberg on this. If you're out here on the West Coast, very, very late Monday. If you're out there on the East Coast or listening to the replay early Tuesday morning, very happy to be holding it down for him and very happy to be talking some college basketball right now. As we're going to be hitting on NBA in a minute, just want to polish off this Butler versus Oklahoma game that I was talking about a little bit earlier. It's a spot in which I do think that you're going to be seeing a relatively low scoring game myself. I want up setting my total out of 124 and a half. So at 125, I take a look at the under. I think something that is so key when it comes to some of these teams is taking a look at if you wind up having a coaching change, like obviously we've got with Oklahoma, taking a look at the old identity, Porter Mosier, as we know, very slow, very controlled, deliberate style while he was at Loyal Chicago. And, this is a perfect way to be able to implement that in this game against a Butler team that they're turning the ball over 15 times per game with regards to turnovers on a per-possession basis. They rank at the bottom 10 in all of college basketball. In the final hour of this show, I'm going to be doing a nice little look at all the teams with the most and fewest turnovers on a per-possession basis and how they've been faring against the spread. Butler's one of those teams on this list, and I will give you a hand signal as to how they've been doing with regards to against the spread record. Not good. Not good at all. So it has not been a great year for them. They do have Aaron Thompson back at the fold. So that's going to be able to help them out in Oklahoma. They themselves have had a couple deficiencies when it comes to offense, but 
Tanner Groves is someone that is six foot ten. He was the player of the year in the big sky last year. Comes in from Eastern Washington, a guy that's able to give you darn near 16 points per game, right around six boards, popping threes at 40%. I think that they should be able to just take it to Butler in this spot. Pretty much, like I said, on the other side, it was a case in which Tanner lower, taking a look at Oklahoma. Once we wind up getting north of 10, then it will be a take on Butler just because with Butler, well, I don't think that they're necessarily going to be overly competitive with how slow they wind up playing and how their defense has actually been halfway okay. I do think that they're going to be able to keep this one reasonably close, but a 10 or lower, certainly going to be taking a look at Oklahoma in this spot. And got to take a little bit of a look at the NBA now. We are not finding as many low totals with regards to the NBA as we're seeing in college basketball because... Now, if you wind up taking a 125 in the NBA, I would strongly suggest taking the over in that one. And if you've been taking a look at overs in the NBA recently, it certainly has been much better now than it was at the beginning of the year. I mean, for the first three or so weeks of the season, and we're going to have John Von Tobel coming up on the other side, just does an absolutely terrific job with all of our VSIN analysis with regards to the NBA. Also does a great job when it comes to hosting the show, The Edge, as well. I mean, we just saw it with regards to the first three weeks of the season. Unders rating at above a 60% clip. You just take a look at the last 14 days, and that has really reversed itself. Over the last 14 days, we have seen darn near 58% of games in the NBA wind up going over in the last seven days specifically. You've had 28 overs and 20 unders. I believe that in that time span, you wind up having a push as well. But, I mean, we wound up seeing once again on Monday. And what I think is really interesting to take a look at with regards to the NBA right now is some of these teams that were higher up on the betting board and how they've been able to fare with regards to their futures because Golden State, they are right now rolling. If I'm looking at a team to be able to win the NBA title, right now they'd be my first look. This has been a team that has been absolutely masterful. Steph Curry is right now rightfully so at the odds to be able to win MVP board. He is right now number one. And Golden State, they just lay the lumber to an Orlando team like they should by a count of 126-95. to 95. And keep in mind, this is a Golden State Warriors team that, as of right now, they've been operating without Klay Thompson. They've been operating without Andrew Wiseman. When they wind up getting their full complement of pieces out there, it's going to be absolutely masterful. Now, the one question that I do have is these guys that would be able to fill in and be able to help out Steph Curry be sort of the backup singers for him. What sort of a role are they going to be having moving forward? But you're able to have a lot of faith in these guys, like Andrew Wiggins in the game against Orlando. This is not going to be typical, but he went 8 of 10 from three-point range with 28 points. But, I mean, it's not even him because we all know about him. But, I mean, on any given night, Gary Payton II might wind up popping off for double figures. I mean, we saw it a few nights ago. Juan Toscano-Anderson. Yeah, Juan Toscano-Anderson. He wound up having 13 points in that win or in that loss against the San Antonio Spurs, but in that win against the Phoenix Suns, he wound up having 17 in that game. He wound up having a combined 30 in a two-game span. I mean, that's a guy that you're not necessarily looking to for a lot. Jordan Poole's been able to give this team right around 17 points per game. He's been rock solid for this bunch. Maybe you wind up having a little bit of deficiency when it comes to more of those ancillary down low pieces, but that's why you've got Draymond Green. Draymond Green, not necessarily the guy that's going to go out there for like 30 points or anything like that, but he chips in those like eight rebounds. He gives you quite a few assists. He'll give you a steal, a block. He'll just do all those little things well for the team. So been incredibly impressed by what we've seen out of the Golden State Warriors thus far. And I certainly put them 
ahead of everyone else that we're seeing out there in the West, obviously in the East. When it came to the preseason, you thought that the Nets were going to be that number one team. And as of right now, when it comes to the odds to be able to win the East, the Nets are still up there. But I do think that the Bucks, because they are the reigning champions, have been a, given a little bit of short shrift. They wound up having a little bit of a rough start to begin the year, but they wound up getting another win against what has been a very pesky Cleveland Cavaliers team by kind of 112 to 104. By the way, this is one that would that really depended on your numbers because the Bucks opened up a seven and a half point favorite. They closed an eight and a half point favorite. So always being able to take a look, always trying to be able to get the best of the number. That is so critical. But when it comes to the Bucks, you do like the two-headed monster that you have of Giannis Antetokounmpo along with Chris Middleton. They want to combine for 48 points in this game. And what I'm going to be very intrigued to see is once you wind up getting back Dante DiVincenzo, how is this team going to be looking? Because they have certainly been able to get a lot out of Bobby Portis. He wound up having a double-double in this game. And Grayson Allen was a little bit of a sneaky addition as well. They really got him for, let's call it what it is, not necessarily too much. And he has been great with regards to the backcourt. He's been struggling a little bit in recent games, but I thought that that was a very quality ad for the Bucks, being someone that my main thing is college basketball. I never thought that I'd be saying that about Chris for Chris Grayson Allen out there in the NBA level, but it certainly has been interesting to see. And then you all end up having an nice ancillary piece of Pat Connaughton. He's really been able to form himself as a nice, sharp three-point shooter for this team. And with regards to the Bucks, once you do wind up having those pieces, I think that there's going to be a lot of value on them moving forward. A team that is a little bit further down there with regards to standings that I think could still be an interesting mixer and shaker once they wind up getting their pieces as well. This is a team that they wound up losing on Monday. That would be the Denver Nuggets. Clearly, this is a team that they are missing Jamal Murray. Once you wind up getting Murray back in the fold, I do think that it's a team that is going to be a little bit more rock solid because Nikolai Jokic has still been able to do all that he needs to. In the game against the Bulls, he wound up having triple-double. 17 points, 15 assists, 12 boards. You can't ask anything more out of him. Now, when Michael Porter has been out there, he's been dealing with a little bit of injury concerns as well. It has certainly been a little bit hit or miss from when the Nuggets were able to get really hot towards the back half of last season. He was a big reason why, and I think that that is going to be something that is going to be so critical for this team because Aaron Gordon's been able to give this team some numbers, but I don't think that he was necessarily the addition that the team was necessarily hoping for when they wound up getting him from the Orlando Magic at the trade deadline. At the very least, I had a couple more expectations from, but when you take a look at that entire Northwest, I mean, really, other than the Utah Jazz, and the Jazz are a team that I really like as well. It has been a little bit lackluster out there as well. And what else I think is going to be interesting to take a look at, some of these teams that have gotten off to hot starts, how much are they going to be able to maintain? I take a look at the Cleveland Cavaliers. I do think that that might be... They might be a little bit of a year ahead of schedule. I like the way that Darius Garland has been able to play. I mentioned the fact that they wound up losing to the Milwaukee Bucks. And when it comes to the Memphis Grizzlies as well, I think a lot of what's going to be going on with them is when they're able to get back John Morant. But all of a sudden, they've been able to put some wins together as well. This is a bunch that they wound up going on the road, and they took down the Heat by 15. Now, it's a undermanned Heat team. They wound up being without Bam Adebayo. He's going to be out for quite a while for this team. They've been having a couple of other smaller injuries when it comes to the team as well. But when it comes to the Memphis Grizzlies, been really impressed by how they've been playing without John Moran. And that's part of the reason why, prior to the injury, I was bullish on the Memphis Grizzlies. And I'm starting to become a little bit more and more bullish on them if you do wind up having Moran back in a 
timely fashion because I do think that the pieces around him are doing a very good job. Jaron Jackson Jr., we all forget that he was a lottery pick. He's been able to do some nice things when it comes to this team. And what else has been very good? The addition of Steven Adams. He had 17 points, 16 rebounds in that game against Miami. He's just a guy that he knows his role. He knows that he needs to be a little bit more of, to use a hockey term here, an enforcer, just be able to man the paint. And Dylan Brooks, how good has this guy been as well? Right around 17 points per game. Not necessarily the world's greatest three-point shooter, but a guy that just goes out there, he gets buckets, and when needed to, he did it in this game, wound up having eight assists. So I think that is really interesting taking a look at the NBA landscape, and we're going to continue to do so with our good friend John Von Tobel on the other side. Does a great job over there with the Edge and the opening blind show. We're going to talk to him next right here on VSIN, the Sports Bank Network. The VEASAN Holiday Offer is here. Right now, when you sign up for our $99 mid-season football special, you'll also receive a $20 credit to the VEASAN store. Get all of our experts, sports betting analysis, insights, and data for the rest of the football season, plus $20 to be able to buy VEASAN sports betting hats, shirts, mugs, and other great gear. Hurry up, this is a limited-time offer, so sign up now for the perfect sports betting holiday gift, and that's at VEASAN.com. Try to subscribe as we're back here on the look at it is myself, Greg Peterson, and now being joined by the man that knows all when it comes to the NBA, does a terrific job on the network, does the opening line show every Sunday. We're, we're going to call it Sunday night. And he also does a great job Monday through Friday with the edge with one of our good friends, Matt Eumann says, we've got John Von Tobel on the horn. Be able to follow him on Twitter at me, JVT. And John, great to have you aboard tonight. Thank you so much for joining me. What's up, Greg? Thanks for having me, man. Appreciate it. I appreciate you, and I appreciate the fact that we have seen just some quality action thus far first, I would say, month and a half or so of the NBA season. And what has really stuck out to me has been the role players of the Golden State Warriors, because right now we're finding it. Seth Curry is right now the odds-on leader to be able to win the MVP, and rightfully so. But what have you made out of the guys around him being able to step up? Because I think that this has been one of the more unexpected surprises of this NBA season. Yeah, I would agree, right? Like it's, it's to the level of how effective they've been, right? It's not surprising that the Warriors would come into this uh, month of December with a winning record. It's that they're one of the best teams in the Western Conference without Klay Thompson. Uh, I would agree with that wholeheartedly. And it's how good they play defensively. You know, one of the things that has bothered me about the Warriors this year is you know, if you take Steph Curry off of the court, if you look at some of their efficiency numbers, it actually drops off uh, pretty heavy on the offensive end, right? Their offensive rating 105.8. They're only outscoring opponents by 0.3 points every 100 possessions, but their defensive rating in those minutes without Steph Curry is one of the best in the NBA, 105.6. That's in the 75th percentile of qualified lineups according to cleaning the glass. Like This is a really quality team defensively, Greg, without Steph Curry, and I think that's what's been so surprising. And some of that is scheme, some of that is personnel too, and, and Draymond Green is part of those numbers that, we're, that I'm rattling off here, but the, the point is, is that this is a well-equipped team, this is a very well-coached team, and the personnel, I think, matches up very nicely with the key cog that is Steph Curry. And then once Clay Thompson comes back, uh, an elite two-weight player, and and I should say, when Steph, or when Clay Thompson comes back fully healthy, right, not the minute he steps on the floor, but by the time we get to the postseason, he's fully informed, this is going to be an extremely deadly team. But I would agree with you, it's been a great story. Yep, it has been absolutely magnificent because, I mean, they've been without James Wiseman as well, and they've yep. been able to just con continue to trug along. So, I mean, being able to find those pieces like a Jordan Poole, be able to 
figure out Juan Toscano Anderson, who wound up having a two-game stretch in which he wound up having 30 points. That has really been eye-opening. What else has been eye-opening to me is the Memphis Grizzlies and the way that they've been able to play without John Moran. They wound up just putting that absolute beat down on the Oklahoma City Thunder, which I think that speaks a little bit more to the Oklahoma City Thunder and their ineptitude at this point. But we saw it on Monday. They went on the road. Once again, a little bit of a shorthanded Miami Heat team, but they took it to them. Being able to win by 15 points, we know that Morant is going to be out for a little bit, but what do you expect out of the Memphis Grizzlies for the length of time that Morant is going to be out and moving forward? Because you're in the first couple games, so far so good. Yeah, it's so it's funny. Uh, the, I'm glad you brought up the Grizzlies because uh, the the Grizzlies have been the bane of my existence uh, throughout this early portion of the NBA season. Because so uh, cleaning the glass is this great metric and it's a win differential, right? And and what it does is it just tells you essentially the difference between the number of games the team has won and what would be expected based on that team's current uh, efficiency differential. Well, the Memphis Grizzlies have the second highest win differential. In other words, they've won two and a half games, a little bit over that, more than they should have given their statistics profile. Uh, they Like Greg, they're one of the worst defensive teams in the NBA at this point right now. If you look at them from an efficiency standpoint, 26th in the NBA. And it has driven me nuts because they continue to get some of these wins. You know, you bring up today, for example, against the Miami Heat. Jimmy Butler has a tailbone injury. He comes in, he plays today for the first time in three games, falls on it hard in the first quarter, doesn't play. So they get another win here. They took on the Oklahoma City Thunder in that historic win that you talked about last week. Well, the Oklahoma City Thunder were actually really shorthanded in that game. They were missing three to four players. And so they get to blow out the Thunder. And here they are right now, 14 and 10, but they have the profile of a team that should be about 500 or a little bit worse. So I would expect that at some point, right, the Grizzlies are going to start to take a step back record-wise, mainly because of the way they play defense. They're still going to be like a play-in contender. They're still going to be right where they were all season long. But I think one of the things that has really bothered me has been how poorly they've been defensively. But the results have not shown that. They have taken care of business, to your point. And it's always so interesting because it's always one of those things that you wind up seeing in baseball as well. It's like, all right, this team is going to come back, but it's just a matter of when, not necessarily yep. if, sometimes the when just winds up coming a little bit too late. And you speak to the Grizzlies playing a little bit over their heads a little bit. Who are a few teams that have been a little bit disappointing this year that when you take a look at the numbers, they shouldn't be quite as bad as they are and they might have some value in the coming weeks. Yeah, I would think one would be San Antonio, and they're actually starting to show that value, right? They have a really close contest today uh, with the Phoenix Suns, uh, ultimately losing by four and covering a solid number tonight. Uh, that is now, double-check, I think that's five consecutive covers uh, for the Phoenix Suns. Yeah, so they've covered now five straight. They've uh, they had snapped a four-game winning streak that they had. But that's a team, Greg, that if you look at them, especially defensively, you know, they, they should have a little bit of a better record. They, they're actually a top-tier defensive team uh, coming into tonight, 11th in terms of defensive efficiency and you know they're just well coached right they're a relatively solid team I have an over on them for the win total so I think that's part of the reason why they stick out is a disappointment uh, but also you're starting to kind of see them finally find their form here a little bit and they've had their own health issues too guys in and out of the lineup uh, key role players as well so once this team which they are starting to get fully healthy and you're starting to see some better results now too but this is a team that I think at the beginning of the year has been very disappointing and I should say disappointing from the standpoint of this should be a team that is well within that play-in battle, right, for like 9, 10, maybe 8. Uh, but this is not like going to be a team that's going to threaten anybody. But they should definitely be on a, on a little bit of a better pace than they are at right now. And I'm so glad that you brought up the Spurs because what I've noticed with this team is that ever since Jakob Hurdle wound up getting back into the fold, this team has been so much better. And I think that he might be under the radar, one of the more critical pieces to his team. Obviously, not a guy that is going to be necessarily one of the biggest number movers in the world, but... 
whenever he's been out there on the floor, it just seems like this has been a different Spurs team. Yeah, and you're absolutely right, right? If you look at uh, some of the numbers with him on and off the court, when he gets on the court, he improves their net rating by 5.6 points every 100 possessions. You know, it's a really good rate at his position, excuse me, of NBA players, 71st percentile among NBA players in terms of what he affects their net rating at. So you're right. Like, he's been extremely important for this team. He's one of those guys that missed time, like I mentioned, for a little bit too. So I think overall that the Spurs team, uh, are they going to be, uh, like, even if they get into an eight seed potentially, uh, they're probably going to get bounced in four or five games, but this is definitely a team that should be better than they are. And with guys consistently in the lineup on a night to night basis and a guy like pop, who's probably worth, I would say still like, you know, like two, two wins maybe over the course of an 82 game season. I think that this is probably going to be a team. And we're starting to see the results now in terms of some covers. That's going to be starting to make some noise for betters. I agree with you. I think that they're going to be very profitable moving forward for you. I think that there is some value with them. The big question is, what sort of value are you going to be are you going to be having with another team out there? The team that actually the Spurs wound up playing that would be the Phoenix Suns because as we know they wound up having that very long win streak that winds up getting snapped a few days ago against the Golden State Warriors and now they are dealing with a little bit of an injury to Devin Booker. But when it comes to the Spurs, when it comes to the Suns, we've really seen the best of times and the worst of times when it comes to them. What are you expecting from them within the next few weeks? Because I do think that Booker being off the floor is certainly going to be hurting them. But I do take a look at some of the other guys, a guy like a Bridges, who's been able to step up. And I do still think that they're going to be relatively solid without Booker in the fold. Yeah, Mikael Bridges, who who wasn't listed for Defensive Player of the Year before they played the Warriors the first time around, and then found himself on the board at some shops at fifteen to one after that performance. So, no, they're like, look, right now, Greg, they're the second best team in the Western Conference, and it, that's not really saying a ton, but they're still a very good team. I mean, consider the standings too, right? The Jazz are the third seed, and then after that, it's the Grizzlies we just talked about. Like the the Western Conference is kind of a mess outside of the Golden State Warriors, the Phoenix Suns, and the Utah Jazz. So, I for me personally, in my ratings. I have Phoenix solidly as the second best team in the Western Conference. Uh, look, you mentioned Devin Booker. It's going to hurt in terms of him not being out there, but it's still a very, very good team. And like on Friday, when they lose to the Golden State Warriors, we can call that maybe a scheduled loss, right? Second leg of a back-to-back to play the Pistons the night before. Warriors looking for revenge. You're on the road. Uh, but this is still a really good Suns team. I rate the Warriors higher than them currently constructed, just ever so slightly. And I do think that the Warriors will probably need Clay Thompson over the course of a best of seven uh, to get out of that. Still be really tough series even without him, but this is a really quality team, and I would not be surprised in the preseason guide. Uh, guess what? I had them as the Western Conference rep, and I wouldn't be surprised if they win it. Well, we've got about 45 seconds left. I do agree with you. I think that it is Suns and Warriors 1 and 2 out there in the West, but where do you wind up having the Lakers right now? Because they're a team that I was bearish on coming into the year, and as of right now, I haven't seen anything to get me excited about them as of now. Mm-hmm. I agree. Look, you can throw them in a hat with the Clippers, the Mavericks, the Nuggets. Uh, I'll even include the Timberwolves in this mix and the Grizzlies and pull them out, right? I think I have them all jumbled in that that similar rating from a power rating perspective. It's a really flawed team, and they have a few wins that they probably shouldn't have from their efficiency profile, too. So uh, this is a flawed team. I don't think that's getting much better. Yep, I am right there with you. I do think that they're very flawed. Unlike John Von Tobel, who joined me here tonight, John, you do absolutely terrific work on the edge, the opening line show as well. Thank you so much for joining me tonight. Hey, man, thanks for having me. John doing absolutely terrific work over here at the network, taking a look at the NBA. And we've got a very light slate when it comes to the NBA on Tuesday, but we're going to be taking a look at it next right here on the look at on VEASAN, the Sports Bank Network. 
The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you're looking 
for more sports betting discussion around your favorite local teams, Bet Rivers City has you covered. Bet Rivers has launched a new series of CityCast designed to tackle sports betting from a local perspective. There are tons of CityCasts like Chicago, Denver, Detroit, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, LA, and now we just added New York into the mix. Subscribe to your local CityCast wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, what have you as. It is a look at right here with myself, Greg Peterson, holding it down for Scott Seidenberg tonight. Scott did a great job on the nightcap and very glad to be holding it down with you guys. A big thanks to John Von Tobel. Does great work over here at the network. He wanted to join me in the last segment. Now we've got to turn it forward a little bit. We've got, shall we say, a light slate of NBA games on Tuesday. We've only got three games, but we do have a game of which you're able to bet on this one pretty much across the board. The other two, the Lakers and the Celtics and the Nets and the Dallas Mavericks. Seems like we've got a little bit more limited offerings on those, but we're going to be able to hit on those. Give you guys a little bit of my thoughts there. But in this Knicks versus San Antonio Spurs game, you've got the Spurs as a two and a half point underdog as it sits right now. And your total is between 212 and 212 and a half. And when it comes to this, I do like what I'm seeing out of the San Antonio Spurs. We were mentioning it with John Von Tobel, the fact that this has been a completely different Spurs team whenever Jakob Hurdle has been out there on the floor. This is a Spurs team that they've now been able to cover five straight. They don't wind up getting the win on Monday against the San Antonio, against the Phoenix Suns, but they did a very good job of being able to hold in there now. The big thing for the Spurs is that this is going to be a back-to-back. That is going to affect them a little bit, but who does a good job of being able to get his teams up for these sorts of games? Greg Popovich. I think that he's going to be able to do a good job of being able to have these guys motivated. They obviously wound up getting out to, shall we say, a little bit of a rough start to begin the year. But now with the Spurs, it does feel like this is a team that is playing a little bit better on the defensive side of the ball. You've obviously got a Knicks team that they themselves do a relatively rock-solid job there. But I just take a look at DeJounte Murray, and I feel like he's one of the most underrated players in the NBA right now. And the guy is putting up terrific numbers, 19 points. He's giving you eight and a half boards. He's giving you a a little bit over eight assists. He's able to get multiple steals per game. He's a guy that he needs to work a little bit on his three, but still, I mean, he's shooting 33% from three. It's not masterful by any stretch of the imagination, but it'll get the job done. And then you take a look at this New York Knicks team, and obviously, when you've got Julius Randle and company out there, you do need to be at your best down low, but Jakob Hurdle, he has been able to give this team nine and a half rebounds per game. I think that he's just such a critical cog to this team. And then when you take a look at the Knicks as well, when it comes to their backcourt, they've been able to do a relatively solid job there. You certainly have been having Julius Randle just do it all for the team. He's right now leading the team in assists, but you look at some of the guys around him and what they've been able to do, you've certainly had R.J. Barrett start to come along as well. This is someone that wound up getting off to a little bit of a slow start to his NBA career, but now he's been the second-best scorer for the team. Evan Fournier along Derrick Rose. They've been able to form themselves a nice little duo as well. It's just so interesting taking a look at, shall we say, the demise of Kemba Walker because, I mean, when Kemba Walker was signed by the Knicks because he is a little bit more of a New York guy, we all remember those moments that he wound up having with UConn. You thought, oh, this is a match made in heaven, and Kemba Walker, whenever he's been out there on the court, it hasn't necessarily been great for him. You take a look at him recently, and you've just seen a big, giant fall off, and he just hasn't played the last few games in general. So, I mean, it's been a big, giant situation whenever he's been out there on the floor. He has scored in single digits in four of the team's last five games. He's actually been hurting the team at times more than he's been able to help them. So, 
That has been something to watch out for. Obviously, Mitchell Robinson, he's able to do a relatively solid job down the line. I do think that you've got a little bit of something with Emmanuel Quickly as well. Quickly has quickly been one of the better outside shooters for this team. He's been able to shoot right around 35 and 36% from three. So I certainly take a look at that. And I do think that there are some good attributes there. But when it comes to the Knicks, after they wound up getting off to that solid start to the year, they certainly have fallen off a little bit. They are losers of four out of their last five now. The context of these losses, I think, is very big. They wind up losing to the Suns, which they were on that big burner run, being able to win 15-plus games. They were able to get a win on the road against Hawks. Then they wind up going to the Nets. They lose that game on the road by two points. No shame there. They wind up losing at home to the Bulls by four points. No shame. The Nuggets loss, that's a little bit tougher, but still, this is a Nuggets team that has a reigning MVP on their team as well. So I don't think that it's necessarily as bad of a knock on them as it might appear, as they did wind up playing some very good competition. But I do take a look at this first. I think that this is a team that is now firing on all cylinders. I think that Greg Popovich is doing a solid job of being able to coach these guys up. I think that they're going to be able to do a good job in the backcourt when it comes to this game as well, especially with Colton Johnson and what he's been able to do this year. So I take a look at this spot. I do like the Spurs as an underdog. I do think that there's going to be good possibilities with regards to the money line. I always like to bet NBA games a little bit more in-game just because when you wind up betting the NBA, you just wind up having so many runs. You wind up having the team that you bet on both be up and down in the same game, typically by about 15 points because that's just the way that it works in the NBA. So if I'm looking at something, I'm looking to perhaps be able to grab the San Antonio Spurs in game. Maybe they wind up getting off to a little bit of a rough ride in the first quarter. You then can maybe get like four or five points or you just wind up getting a juicy money line. If you wind up liking what you see, they're just getting good looks, but at the same time, the shots aren't falling. So I do think that there is some value here with a San Antonio Spurs team that has been able to get relatively hot. Now, we're not seeing too many numbers with regards to this. As of right now, I'm seeing a little bit of an initial number of the Lakers being a three-point favorite, but you do have the Lakers and the Celtics in action, and I made sure to ask John about this as well. This is just a Lakers team that I am not bullish on whatsoever, and it's a team that I really want no part of. Last time they wound up playing, they wound up losing at home to the Clippers. LeBron winds up getting cleared from COVID-19 protocol, and he wound up having himself a solid game. This is still, though, a Celtics team that I feel like is a little bit of an enigma as well. You can tell that they are really carried by Jason Tatum. Tatum has been absolutely masterful for this team, right around 25 and a half points per game. He's able to give you nine boards. He does it all when it comes to the team, at least 24 points in four out of the team's last five games. So he has been there. He has been doing a terrific job. But when it comes to the rest of the Boston Celtics, what are you going to be able to get out of them? I think it's just a valid question. And when it comes to the Lakers, I mean, Anthony Davis has been great. Whenever you've had LeBron James out there, it's been rock solid. I just don't understand why they're not giving Malik Monk more minutes. Now, it seems like they have in the most recent couple games, which is good because He's like the only guy that at the end of the year is probably not going to require Walker because I mean, all these guys on the Lakers are just so gosh darn old. They're going to need to do a lot of minutes restrictions when it comes to the team. But now being at 12 to 12, uh, they're probably not going to be able to do as much of that if they want to avoid the play-in tournament, if they wind up even going that far. Now, them completely falling out of the postseason, that would really be a calamity, but I think a look at the Celtics team as well. Dennis Schroeder has been relatively soft for this team. He's been able to get the team 18 points per game, but you can tell that whenever they've had Jalen Brown out of the fold, that has been tough. Now, he is questionable for this game. This is a big reason why 
you are not finding this game on the board in a lot of spots because we just don't know if Jalen Brown is going to play or not. Last time he wound up playing was Wednesday against the Philadelphia 76ers and didn't look like himself in that game. He wound up having nine points in 33 minutes. You expect a little bit more out of him. So that certainly is something that you want to be keeping your eyes on. And even some of these guys like Robert Williams, he's been missing a couple of games for this team as well. So you certainly do have some concerns there. If I'm looking anywhere, and boy, I have not been one for betting on the Lakers. I'd be looking at the Lakers in this spot just because when it comes to Boston Celtics, having Brown currently banged up and just this Celtics team in general. If there's a team that I'm a little bit more bearish on than the Lakers, it probably is the Celtics. And it is obviously a very good rivalry when it comes to the NBA. I just don't think that the teams in this rivalry are very good right now. And so I'd be looking, but obviously we want to be taking a little bit more of a look moving forward as to the injury information that we have. And we certainly need a little bit more injury information when it comes to the Mavericks and the Brooklyn Nets game as well. Right now, I'm not finding really too many numbers out there. Got to think that the Nets are going to be shooting out as some sort of a favorite in this game. The question is, how big of a favorite? Because this is a Mavericks team that they would deal with injuries to Luka Doncic, Chris Stops, Porzingis wound up getting held out of a game a couple days ago as well. So, I mean, it has been a big, giant issue when it comes to this team. And if you don't wind up having Luka Doncic along with Chris Stops, Porzingis out there, congratulations on Jalen Brunson running the show for this team. And it's not a place where you want to be, especially going up against a Nets team that I don't think that they were worthy of being as big of a favorite as they were coming into the season, but boy, oh boy, they still should be able to take it to this Mavericks team because he, Luka Doncic, currently dealing with an ankle injury. Now, the issue that I always have with Luka Doncic has been the turnover wolves, and you just take a look at it. He has had six plus turnovers in three of the team's last five games, but he's able to do things that other guys aren't able to. And the reason why Luka Doncic has so many turnovers is because even when he winds up having these turnovers, what he's able to provide is just so much better than these other guys like Tim Hardaway Jr. and Jordy Finney-Smith are able to as well. Now, Porzingis, I was just expecting a little bit more from him when he wound up being signed by the Mavericks. Now, the good news is, is it seeming, it's seeming like he's going to be able to get out there for this game, which is going to be really big because he wound up missing the team's last game. That was just not good for the Mavericks to save the least and been coming into his own 20 plus points in three of the team's last five games so we want to be keeping our eyes on that we're going to be keeping our eyes on college basketball as well to start off the final hour of the look at we're going college basketball heavy right here on VEASAN the Sports Betting Network whether you're whether you're whether you're I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.